this is the municipal. Have you been paying attention to like city stuff? Don't vote, can't bitch. Sorry to uh, <laughs> to point that finger at you. My answer was that would be yes and no. My tummy hurts, and I'm mad at the government. You're saying council wouldn't approve it, and two, you're robbing them of their their voice. It's it's he's already he's already failed to vote. Welcome to another brand new episode of the Municipals. I'm Matthew, and I'm Philip. Uh, it's been a long day, a long weekend. No, not an enjoyful or whatever the fuck. You know, it was it was a rough weekend. Uh, I was telling Philip off air. You know, I did some yard work, and I'm paying for it. You know, right off the bat, I would like to say something about cyclists. So, if you're a pro cyclist. Cover your ears. You know, oh. Philip, I was pulling out of a call today because most of my calls are downtown. Um, <clears throat> and it was in a laneway. So I pulled forward to the laneway. And there's no, it, it was it was on Adelaide, which, as you know, is a one-way street. I'm pulling forward. There's no cars coming. All of a sudden, this motherfucker on a bike tries to zoom past me he's going top speed okay like on a sidewalk by the way uh, on the wrong side of the road because as is if you know adelaide east of young it has bike lanes <laughs> this this guy was not in the bike lane he was on the sidewalk on the wrong side of the street and then had to come to a halt when he saw my truck pulling out and looks at me, gives me a dirty look, like I've done something wrong. I think I think this is okay, cyclist grievances. You know, um, most of the time I do feel like I was gonna jokingly cover my ears when you said, you know, pro cyclists should cover their ears, but I'm wearing the headphones. There's no escaping your commentary, Matthew. This uh, <laughs> it goes right straight into the earlobes, and um, no, I I actually think I do. That's next to St. James Park, right? The um, Adelaide? Yeah, I believe so. I don't yeah, know. Um, if, I actually think those ones are actually partially protected, which is pretty good. Yeah, so they're, par like, they're partially why, protected, yes. yes. So, like, why wouldn't you want to be using the bike lanes? I feel like they're pretty comfortable in those situations. Not I to understand, mention... You're, you're, you're... I understand <laughs> shittier infrastructure streets where they don't have that, where I, I fucking don't want to bike on the road next to cars. I, I, but when you have the infrastructure, you should use it. Not to mention there were people <laughs> on the same sidewalk. So he's risen by them too. I'm just going to be nice and I'll call him a moron there. And, and <laughs> we can end on that. Um, that you're like, I was going to be nice and continue to advocate for cycling infrastructure for him specifically. So, to so he our learn his lesson. So to our listeners, we have a very special interview that we pre-recorded um, a couple days ago featuring Anna Bailau. We're going to play later in the episode. But this is, uh, as we are recording... Uh, it's Monday, even though this is going to drop on Wednesday, and uh, I gotta, I gotta hear your thoughts on uh, the news that 
Olivia Chow has officially entered the mayoral race. You know, I think I would have been, I would have been more excited. Well, I don't know what my issue is other than the fact that she, she basically launched on a very John Tory-esque idea of the city of Toronto. Let me interrupt you for a second. Did you you watch the press conference? Because I have not. So fill our listeners in because I have, all I I saw was the announcement. Yeah. I only saw like bits. I didn't like see the announcement, but she had just essentially she had made a statement that read to me like much like John Tory and uh, Ford before her, her interest seems to be in, again, we want everything in Toronto. And I, I feel like that sounds like I'm saying that very egotistically, but at the same time, we are also a very large city where the economic engine of the country um if we're maybe so it's not so it's not unreasonable it's not an unreasonable request we are the what is it the third or fourth largest city in north america i believe yeah i believe that's true uh obviously the largest city in the country um and it's just our city is so mismanaged obviously that's the state where we're in with the garbage and the parks and the washrooms and all that shit so you know you i want to be excited for an olivia chow mayorality but she already seems intent on trying to keep property taxes low which i understand the appeal of like trying to run on that but at the same time you realistically cannot the city is in like a deep hole and we're not uh we're not going after enough revenue and we need to and so it just seems like a fantasy for anyone running to not sort of talk about that. But, and Olivia Chow isn't not talking about it. It sounds like she's stated she wants to keep taxes low, which is untenable. Can I ask you something? <clears throat> Does it sound yeah. to you like, and this is no disrespect towards Olivia Chow, I hope that we are lucky enough to have her on our show, but does it sound to you like she's stuck in 2014? It's it's a very interesting, uh, you know, because I saw I saw this post earlier that that was supposed to look like more of a attack against Olivia Chow in her past, you know, in supporting encampments like people in encampments and things like that, uh, especially with her husband Jack Layton, um, and one of the things read was like and supporting not ending the rave scene in Toronto where one man died of ecstasy in 1999 and that's not that's not a dig at Olivia Chow one person dying of a I mean I tweeted this so I'm basically saying what I tweeted almost verbatim one person dying of a party drug versus the amount of people who are dying to vehicular violence or just their current spate of violence you know happening right now we have to grow up and we have to have like priorities when we think of what is considered dangerous and what's hurting people i agree and uh let's talk about the stuff already against her anthony fury 
who's a prominent candidate, has come out hard against her. And then we'll address that. And then we'll talk about the joke candidate who has come out against her as well. I, I believe Mark Saunders has also sent out a statement uh, specifically against Olivia Chow. Oh, okay. I didn't see that. But yeah, we can cover that as well. <clears throat> Do you want to, if you have it in front of you, you want to read it? This will be a change. I will. Read it for all we... the listeners. No, listen. I'm, I'm in this moment. I am wondering if I... Mark Saunders hasn't... Okay, no, I don't think he's blocked me. All right, the man hasn't blocked me. I'm, I'm still on the side of respectful enough. All right, thank Sorry, you, I'm... Mark Saunders, for not blocking us. <laughs> Woohoo! Oh, um... I was sure I saw a statement from, unless it's uh, my bad. You know what? Um, we also had a statement from Anthony Ferry. Why don't we start with that one? I'll see if I can uh, find the Mark Saunders statement. Um, yeah, I, I have a blurb here, but it's not his official statement. <laughs> um, it says, Fury issued the following statement Monday morning. Quote, Olivia Chow will bankrupt the city of Toronto with tax increases and out-of-control spending. She will worsen gridlock by adding more bike lanes and continuing the war on the car. She will make Toronto less safe by failing to properly fund the police and failing to pivot away from injection sites. It's hard to overstate how much damage Olivia Chow will cause to Toronto if she becomes mayor, uh, end quote. Let's talk about that real quick for a second. So the impression sure. the impression I'm getting is that he, at least he believes, and maybe maybe there's a, a, other people that believe that Olivia Chow will vote to defund the police. What do you think about? Do you agree with that or not? Um, I feel like that's a hard question because. It's one of those things where you think to again, as and even I said to, to Anthony Fury, it's something that I want to happen. But I, I don't know if it's something that anyone currently in the political establishment, if that makes sense, has I wanna say I don't wanna say the courage, but I wanna say the conviction to do something like defund the police. I don't I don't know if anyone has the political capital or will to do that yeah but phil we go back to last not last week last week we had rob davis yeah yeah when he said that for example if city of toronto votes to defund the police the chief of police can uh uh fight that and most times win isn't well and that's i think that's part of what i'm thinking if if olivia understands that reality at uh, City Hall better than, for example, we do while we talk about theoretically taking money away from the police budget. You know, maybe she understands better than, say, you and I uh, that that's something that she can't do realistically. So maybe that's not something I don't know. I feel like unless she states something, uh, I understand uh, his concern that I feel like from their perspective, of course, defunding the police is this boogeyman position that um the left sort of wants to do secretly but i i think if they were going to do it i think they would advertise it as part of their platform so i feel like that's sort of it's an ideological divide more than it is 
So I, I think the fact that she's not saying anything, I don't think she's hiding anything, if you know what I mean. I think I can uh, agree with you on that one. And and like for the rest of his statements, I think the issue is that a lot of it is a lot of those ideological kind of uh, divides in terms of what's the correct thing to do. For example, when he talks about uh, getting rid of the uh, safe injection sites, that's that's just a fundamental disagreement in what's better for people. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, we can talk about the joke candidate who came out against her. You know who I'm referring to. Blake Acton called her washed up. <laughs> and uh, like I've said previously, I'm sorry if, if my listeners, you guys, I'm sorry if you're tired of hearing about it, but this man is a joke. He can't be taken seriously. Um, I mean, you can feel how you want about Olivia Chow. But uh, yeah, listen, the, the city of Toronto is eventually going to have to come after us <laughs> for our Blake Acton statements. So city of mean? Toronto Twitter account, we're waiting for your your little uh, your little please contact us. We're <laughs> concerned about your statements regarding candidates. You know, uh, yeah. our our clear anti Blake Acton campaign must be stopped <clears throat> or they'll force us to join <laughs> the 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 election as a third party advertiser. And then it's cool. We can do whatever we want. Which I mean, on the one hand, wouldn't be the worst idea. So real quick, I wanted to run through because we got eight minutes real quick. I wanted to run through one of one of one of the two points that you wanted to talk about real quick. And then, I mean, we can expound on it later uh, in the episode. Oh, do you mean with my my thoughts with uh, with Anna Bailao? No, no, no. There was two things you wanted to bring up. I can't remember what they are now. Fuck. <laughs> oh no! I listen. I know what you're talking about. And one of them was the thing I just talked about with the uh, the city of Toronto uh, staff Twitter account going after these. Uh, right, right. Let's do these, that one. I want to say anti candidate campaigns. Um. Which is just, I feel like, and people are freaked out about it. Not, sorry, I shouldn't say people are freaked out about it. I want to say, as cheesy and corny as it sounds, establishment candidates are freaked out about it because they're not used to this level of citizen engagement. So they have to assume that it's a, a secret campaign funded by another candidate. I think that's why there's like this huge freak out about. Well, let, let's start from the beginning. We're we're specifically talking about uh, the campaign. Sorry. Yes, you're against, right. I am... It's okay. The campaigns against uh, uh, Ward 19 Councillor Brad Bradford and former City Councillor, now mayoral candidate uh, Anna Bailao. So uh, Anna Bailao's I know is called Bailao broke it. What is the name of Bradford's again? I can't remember that one. And oh, is that's his um and is there one Bradford for Mark Sachs? And is there one for Mark Saunders? And I think that one is also just <clears throat> M. Saunders Sachs. So go through chronologically if you can if you remember how, how it happened. Um who was contacted first and, and just the blurb of of what they said in the in the tweet. 
Okay, give me a moment to find it. Uh, I just went past a dumb thing from Mark Saunders, so maybe I'll come back to that. Uh, the tweet that Matthew really liked where I called the federal liberal snobs. Uh, oh, there we go. Um, so, on April 12th, the City of Toronto Twitter account, which... Before I even begin, I have never, despite being a candidate in, in the previous election, so now I've been paying attention to this sort of stuff. And, um, you know, now this mayoral election, I have never seen the city of Toronto Twitter go against anyone for campaign infractions. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. So... To have okay, so on April twelfth, the city of Toronto tweeted at at Bradford Facts TO, which is the uh you know the the satirical anti Bradford campaign, uh, and so there it was just a generic tweet about the Gardner Expressway, and they got a response from the city of Toronto. Toronto Elections would like to contact you about communications regarding candidates. Please email us at candidateinfo at toronto.ca. Now. The text itself, it sounds innocent enough, but I feel like for most of us paying attention, it it feels almost threatening because it, it it's like it's accusing these accounts, these Twitter accounts that, to be clear, the Twitter accounts themselves, I realize there's more work beyond the Twitter accounts themselves, but it costs zero dollars to set up a Twitter account. You know, a lot of this engagement stuff that's been going on, very low funds going into them, as far as I understand. So to go after what feels like very small fish doing a very good public service feels frustrating, especially when we had an election with such low voter, blah, 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 voter turnout. You know... You're right. It's never, ever, ever happened before. And it, it, we're just briefly, I'm wondering if Bill C11 is maybe helping them along at this point, wanting to control the narrative, wanting to. I saw a tweet from the city of Toronto that. Uh, or maybe it was a comment on their tweet, basically trying to silence the uh, uh, the anti-conservative uh, uh, rhetoric um, against the conservative candidates. I don't know who qualifies as conservative uh, amongst our mayoral candidates. But if you're... <laughs> That can only be coming from one person, and that person's name is Doug Ford. And I go back, I said it a few weeks ago. He said, I'm not going to get involved in this election. And then six days, or what was it, six days later, he said, well, you, you shouldn't vote for anyone who, who wants to, you know, lower the police budget. But I thought you weren't going to get involved. And now 
you want to instruct the city of Toronto to quiet the anti the anti the rhetoric against the anti-conservative voices which is complete horseshit if you ask me and we're back with this amazing interview i'd like to welcome you guys to the presumptive front runner for the by-election miss anna bylaw welcome to the show thanks matthew and philip great to be here you know, right off the bat, I'd love for you to get into your 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 plan, your policies that you'd like to implement. And then if we have questions, uh, Philip and I can jump in and, and we'll go from there. Go ahead. The floor is yours. Great. Thanks, Matthew. Well, I, I'm really laser focused on uh, fixing services in the city and building affordable housing. To me, this election is about making life easier and more affordable for Torontonians. And the way that we do that, that is by fixing services like the TTC. Um, and fixing services like the TTC means uh, reversing back the cuts uh, that were uh, introduced, uh, means bringing more staff into our stations right away, bringing Wi-Fi into our stations. You know, since I first started talking about uh, the possibility of running for uh, this job. That was one of the issues that I brought forward. It was uh, bringing Wi-Fi to the TTC. Uh, also bringing more cameras, uh, uh, you know, to ensure that uh, that safety to the TTC. So uh, fixing the services so we can bring ridership back so people can feel safe. They can feel like they have a reliable service. They can get to and from work on time in a safe way. Uh, they can get to, to and from school uh, on time and in a safe way is really important. It's an example, a very concrete, very much needed service that needs to be improved and core. It's foundational to, to our city as well. Uh, we've been talking about, you know, improving seniors for uh, improving services for seniors. Uh, we had a very successful vaccination uh, campaign, for example, in the city. We had 600 ambassadors across the city speaking different languages. And I'm recommending that we pivot to create a neighborhood program uh, for healthy seniors, uh, that we can bring health care and wellness checks to over 70,000 seniors that live in uh, seniors' buildings, over 500 buildings. And 30,000 of those uh, seniors are actually over the age of 80. And this would uh, bring those ambassadors, get that to initial contact, uh, bring the mobile clinics into uh, uh, the communities with public health and paramedics and do pre-screenings, uh, medication checks, post-op. Uh, and if uh, they don't have a family doctor, then work with our healthcare partners to make sure that there's appropriate follow-up. Um, so fixing services is essential um, and and housing is essential. I've, I've been working on housing issues for um all my uh, career as counselor, you know, I started when uh, the city was uh, selling uh, social housing in this uh, in, in Toronto community housing. And I'm very proud to have stopped that sale uh, to create a plan to work with the other orders of government that today uh, we have a two point six billion dollar uh, capital repair uh, plan funded that is fixing and maintaining those much needed units. I'm proud that we have stopped selling land and actually are using that land to create affordable housing, created a fund to make sure that we're supporting our nonprofit organizations to uh, build and to buy so we can maintain some of the most affordable stock in our city. 
housing is a priority. We need our workers uh, to continue to live in our city. We need our youth to be able to live in our city. And very important as well is the supportive housing that we need to build. You know, a lot of the issues that we're facing, even on the TTC that we're talking about, you know, to fix the root causes of these issues, we need uh, the supportive housing. We need the mental health support uh, from our provincial government with the support from obviously the programs in our public health. And that's why I've proposed as well, mobile mental health clinics across the city as well as part of our public safety plan. Um, but uh, these are the issues that I'm uh, I'm I'm focusing on. I'm sure you're going to have some questions. So I don't want to be speaking for half an hour. I'm going to uh, allow you to ask some questions. But um, the main points is that we need we need to to really focus on on the services that the city uh, provides and how to um, uh, fix and improve those services and building housing so we can make life more uh, more affordable. I absolutely agree with you, um, but. One question I did have is uh, you were a city councillor up until October and then you decided not to, <coughs> excuse me, not to uh, run again. And I'm just wondering, you know, you're running in the by-election now. Why now? And why, why didn't you take a shot at the mayor's chair in October? It just briefly, if you don't mind. Well, I spent 12 years as city councillor and five as deputy mayor uh, focusing uh, a lot on housing issues, uh, and I went to build affordable housing. That's that's when I went off to do. Uh, it is something that that I'm passionate about. That I believe is is foundational to the lives of Torontonians and to to a healthy uh, social and economic uh, uh, prosperous city. And so I went off to build affordable housing. But I don't think anybody could imagine that we would be in this situation right now, a few months after uh, the election. And I think it is really important to have somebody that has uh, the experience, uh, that has the leadership, that can work with councillors. We have uh, uh, 25 councillors uh, that have been elected uh, in October, uh, and, and I think it is important to have somebody that has good relationships uh, across uh, the political spectrum that can get the agenda, can get the work done. Uh, somebody that can work with the other orders of government, which I have done because, you know, if there's one file that you need to bring all three orders of government to the table, it, you know, housing and transit are really those files, right? You can't uh, build housing uh, without the uh, the three orders of government. And I think it is important to have somebody that has the experience, the leadership, and uh, and the plan, the laser focus uh, plan on the services and on building housing. You know what that that is that sounds great. Um, we always need more housing. That I absolutely agree. So, <clears throat> I guess my question is, you know, over the last year, <clears throat> I'm so sorry about this cough. Uh, over the last year, because um, I covered the the election in October. Um, the definition of affordable housing is, I guess, is it subjective? Because to me, when I think of affordable housing, I think of, because I grew up in housing. My mom was a single mom. She was on social assistance. And so when I think of affordable housing, I think of rent geared to income apartment buildings. I'm just wondering, when you say affordable housing, what's your definition? Well, we have to build housing across the housing spectrum. Uh, and, you know, the programs that created the rent geared to income were, you know, federal programs. And that's why 
we are in the situation that we are is because for many decades, governments have been had been stepping away from investing in housing. Many of the programs that we had, and a lot of them federal and even provincial programs that created a lot of the social housing in our country, uh, ended uh, many of them in the 90s. And so uh, we've been bringing back uh, some of uh, of those programs. Uh, and in the city, the city has taken a key role in bringing land and bringing uh, uh, waivers on property taxes and so on. So what you're dealing with is a, a spectrum. So for example, when you talk about supportive housing, it needs to be deeply, deeply affordable, right? You're talking about 30, 40% of average uh, market rent. Um, and then it's layered with supports. Then you have uh, uh, affordable housing that in, in many cases you can get to 60 to 70%, and then you have 80%. What is, you know, what is the fact is that even a decade ago or 15 years ago, you didn't have to be um, as involved in creating what, what is workforce housing. Unfortunately, the market has created the conditions that today we have to take action to even create housing for our workers. So when you talk about affordable housing, there is different definitions. The federal government has a definition, we have a definition, but what is key and it is important is that you have a plan that is, understands that there's different kinds of housing and different levels of affordability that you have to create. So our plan in the city of Toronto, we've we've said we're going to create 40,000 units. 18,000 of those need to be supportive housing. So that's the deep, deep, deep affordable housing that also needs to come with the support services that we need that the province layers on top of that. That sounds good. Um, it's, it's, it's always good to get, because uh, I, I feel like Maybe there's no wrong answer. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, maybe there's no wrong answer to that, but but everyone always has a different answer. Um, switching gears, I wanted to you talk. Know, I think it, oh, sorry, just, go just ahead. Just one thing, Matthew. I just wanted to say that on the housing issue, you know, there's not one solution that is going to solve housing because housing, like I was explaining, you have different components, right? You have the supportive, you have the affordable, you have the workforce housing. And, and there's not one solution. You really need all hands on that, you know, uh, nonprofits, so the co-op sector, all these organizations, the three orders of government, um, because there's things that are controlled by the federal government. There's things that are controlled by the, 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 the city, you know, zoning and things like that, our city, the support services are provincial. So you really need to have somebody that understands the complexity of this file that is able to deliver on this file and understands that, you know, for example, just talking about supply and just bringing supply, it's not going to solve the issues for all the, the needs that you have. Like the supply is not going to create supportive housing. It's not never going to give you that deep affordability. So it's really important to have um, uh, the different points of the spectrum addressed. Absolutely. And actually, I, I just thought of one more question before we move on. Um, you know, Airbnb owners or users, they, they, they take up a large portion of our housing stock, if that's a word. And I'm just wondering if there's anything uh, that can be done to combat that or or if you think that <clears throat> that, you know, it's business. So so they're just trying to make a living and that's fair. I'm just wondering uh, if I get your thoughts on that. No, I think that, you know, um, if, if you're going on vacation and you want to have your 
home rented out for the time of your vacation uh, on Airbnb, go right ahead. But what the city created was actually regulations, and and uh, I work on this uh, as a city councilor, regulations that are very clear on saying that Airbnb needs to be a primary residence. So if it is your primary residence, you live on the house and you know, you're going away for some time and you want to have it as a an Airbnb, so be it. But you cannot just keep buying properties and taking it out of being somebody's home to create an Airbnb unit. That's what we have, the legislation and the regulations around Airbnb in the city of Toronto. And we need to make sure that they are enforced. Very key is the enforcement of this. Absolutely. Philip, uh, you've been having some technical issues, but we were talking about housing. Do you have a question on housing before we move on to a different topic? <laughs> um, so, Matthew, you do know the the two big things I want to ask about. We haven't we haven't gotten past those things, right? I don't remember. Sorry, <laughs> uh, but we're on. Remind us again, Philip. Remind us again. We're on. We're on the housing again. Uh, if if it's related to housing, go ahead. I mean, it's a bit about housing, but. Um, it would be about um, you're, moving the science center. You're uh, you're 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 squeaky a little bit. Oh my god! There's your, no winning for me today. Your audio, yeah. Uh, and this was my what I thought would be my foolproof plan. I just jumped to my phone instead of my computer. So uh, no, no. Now you're sounding better. It's just maybe, maybe the location, the location of the house. Maybe yeah. I don't know. Go oh, go, yeah. go ahead with your question. But you know. Um, and I, I feel like it's probably a long-winded, um, not directly related, but it is about um, your recent announcement about moving uh, the Ontario Science Centre uh, to Ontario Place, where, of course, that parking lot and all that space there would be great for housing, um, but it does seem like we'd be losing out on a great uh, tourist spot for the suburbs, which I feel like we are lacking in those as well as we are having a, um, the Ontario line, we are having a stop at the Science Centre specifically, you know, for that touristy stuff. But, you know, we get rid of that and we only throw in, and oh, oh my God, it makes it sound like I'm opposed to housing, which is uh, <laughs> not what I'm trying to say. Um, which I guess means that my question is mostly about the Science Centre and not about housing. <laughs> oh no. Okay, let's let, um, let let me try to give you uh, uh, some um, information about uh, why the announcement was done. Um, you know, there's a plan to revitalize the Ontario Place. There's a plan that is in front of City Council uh, that has a proposal for um, uh, a spa and um, a, a big, large parking lot. And that proposal requires. Uh, the provincial government to basically subsidize a private spa to the tune of maybe $500 million. And I don't think those are the city's priorities. Um, I think the city's priorities is what we just talked about, which is uh, services and fixing services like the TTC and building housing. This proposal of possibly having the Ontario Science Centre uh, moved to uh, Ontario Place has been talked about, has been written about in media many times for years. And what attracted me in this proposal was uh, the fact that I think that maintaining Ontario Place in public hands, maintaining it in a way that is available for families, for Torontonians with public spaces and a public institution, and the Ontario Science Centre needs major, you know, 
renovations and 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 development. Uh, so that's why I thought this this is a, a good proposal. We could have a state of the art science center in in our waterfront, have that heritage building. So where the Ontario Science Center is is a heritage building that needs to be preserved. And um, the idea of working with those communities to have community services in a community hub and housing on the parking lots by the subway, I think is 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 uh, is very valuable. We need affordable housing. I've been in those communities and all they tell me is we need affordable housing and we need programs here for these communities. So that's that's what, what attracted me to this idea of having the Ontario Science Center, a public institution in our waterfront, using the existing building to and work with those communities to create a community hub with programs and 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 services and and what they need in the the existing building and using all those parking lots and create a transit oriented community at the end of the subway line and and stop with this idea that we we should be subsidizing a private spa to the tune of 500 million dollars what we should be discussing is how we're going to build housing where we're going to build housing we don't need to build housing in the green belt, to be honest with you. Look at these opportunities. That's what I'm trying to say. Look at these opportunities. Let's look at the focus of the priorities of Torontonians, which is fixing the services, providing services through a community hub, providing services through a transit-oriented community with affordable housing, and stop with this idea of subsidizing a private spot to the tune of $500 million. Keep that Ontario place as a great public space for all Torontonians, all Ontarians, um, but at the same time, address the priorities of the city. I just had one quick question before we move on. That uh, You said it's before City Council, the, the Thermae Spa. Is that vote going to take place before or after the by-election? Do you know? So there's two things that are coming to a vote. Uh, uh, so there was... Uh, uh, basically, uh, an update report that was at Toronto and East York Community Council. So it wasn't a yes or no vote, but it was a report from planning that actually explained some of the issues uh, uh, with regards to planning with the application. So there was, you know, several concerns about the size of the building, the location, the overpower all over the public realm. So planning staff expressed some concerns. So the process is still going on. So that process is still going on. But there was a report this week that actually uh, talked about that at Toronto and East York Community Council. And then there's going to be another report for um, a land swap that is uh, necessary. Uh, so the city has a little bit of land and the province uh, wants to exchange that land uh, to have uh, the city owning another part of the land to create a park. And they need that land uh, for their project as well. So there's, there's going to be... Some votes, yes. Some votes, no. Uh, you know, things things usually uh, come at different points of the process to city council. And so this is where we are in the process right now. Amazing. But again, again, what are the priorities of our city? For me, this, I always go back to that and to say, you know, how can... Like, what are our principles? What are what are we what should we be focused on? And for me, the focus should be, yes, a great waterfront public realm with public access with public institutions i believe in the revitalization but i don't believe that we 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 should be spending 500 million dollars to subsidize the private spa while we have these all these housing needs and and service needs in the city 
I couldn't agree more. Uh, switching topics because I'm aware of our time. I just wanted to get your thoughts on the police budget. You know, as Phil said in previous episodes, it's always been the thing that never gets touched. It's never um, uh, even looking for efficiencies is sort of taboo. And I'm just wondering what that might look like in a mayor bylaw government. Well, I, I put out a public safety plan because we've been talking about a lot of the safety on this TTC. And I've actually said, listen, we need a public safety plan for our TTC, our streets and for the future, because what is happening in the TTC is actually a symptom. And the challenges that we see in the TTC are actually the challenges that we're seeing in the city. And so it includes policing. I think we need to have um, well-funded and well-trained uh, police as part of our public safety. But I also believe that we need to expand our uh, uh, Toronto Community Crisis Service, for example, which is now still a pilot, uh, covers 60%. Uh, we need to make sure that we support and, and expand that to be a permanent service in the city to have at 100%. Uh, I've also proposed to have mobile uh, health, mental health uh, clinics as well. We, those uh, those services are part of a public service, uh, public safety plan. The police is included. We need to fund the police. We need to make sure that they have uh, the tools and 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 the, the 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 bodies to you know deal with things like gangs and guns and homicides and auto theft that has been increasing. You know all those things. But we need to make sure that we also in, are investing in the in in other alternatives that are much better to deal with mental health issues and homelessness and so on. For me, it's not an either or. We need to make sure that we adequately have these two services uh, in the city of Toronto. Absolutely, but uh, what I'm referring to is if you've looked at the uh, the Ontario Sunshine List that was just released, you know, a lot of just regular plan, uh, um, uniformed officers are making anywhere from 200,000 right up to, I think the top one made 330 something thousand dollars. And that's, that's gotta be laced with a lot of overtime, double overtime. And I'm just wondering if there's anything we can do to like <clears throat> maybe restrict the overtime. And that gives the city the power to hire more officers instead of the existing officers pulling in all that overtime, costing the taxpayers more money in, in a way we still get more police, but we save money because there's no there's no overtime. You see where I'm going? Yeah, there there's been uh, uh, reports on uh, reform uh, for the police um, that you know we need to make sure that we follow with that. But again, ensuring that services like the Toronto Community Services Response uh, are operating at a hundred percent, so that we don't have officers having to respond to those calls and actually have the most appropriate person responding to those calls, I think it will help things like that. We need to ensure that we have a public safety plan that has the most appropriate person and service being delivered. It's and in some cases, of course, it's a police. If you have a homicide, you know, you send you send a police officer, but you have somebody in a mental health crisis, you need to be, make sure that you have the service in there and you're not paying overtime to a police officer to respond to that. So you need to make sure that you, it's not an either or. You need to have these services available to make sure that you have a good response and an appropriate response. Absolutely. Philip, I'll give you the last question and then we'll let Anna make her closing statement. Go ahead. Uh-oh. 
Okay. Um, is it? Should I do my long-winded one, or should I uh, just hang do, off of this one? Just, just hang off of this one, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I'm, I'm wondering, Anna. You were, I believe, you were on council uh, when the pilot was set up for that mental health crisis team, correct? Yep. Um, were you a part of setting that up? I was very supportive of uh, of setting that up. Yes, I voted for it, and and I've been looking at the results, which have been very, very positive, very good, and that's why in my platform you'll see the expansion to one hundred percent to cover the city uh, because uh, I think they've been doing incredible work, and we need to make sure we have the resources to to support them. Very cool. I absolutely agree. I think um, just before. Uh, I think it was John Tory who was talking about the stats where it was like 75% of calls or something were redirected from, from a police response to uh, this pilot, which is an incredible success, really. Um, you know, not much more to say about that, but yeah, uh, that's, and, it's and a that's very cool why, project that, with that, the city. Yeah. That's why I, I'm proposing at that time, there was obviously, as you know, there was the, the, the vote to defund the police. I did not vote to defund the police because I think, it, I, like I said, this is not an either or. You need to establish these things appropriately, fund them, create the structure, and make sure that you have the police to address the issues that they need to address. Uh, but I'm very uh, um, optimistic and, and very confident about the results that we're getting with this uh, with this pilot, and and I want to see it done across the city as soon as possible, and that's why I have it on my platform. When you talk about, like I said, when you talk about public safety, you, there's different components. There's the police. There's this crisis units. There's the mental health supports. There's a supportive housing. There's 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 programs for for youth. There's programs for seniors that you need. This is all public safety. That's how you bring safety to a city. Thank you so much for for coming on, uh, uh, Anna. And this is your chance to talk to our listeners and tell them, uh, you know, why they should vote for a mayor bylaw. And and um, don't forget to include your website. And the floor is yours. Well, they should vote for uh, mayor bylaw because I, I, you know, I I came to this city when I was fifteen. I, I wasn't born here. I was fifteen years old. And what really made made me feel welcome was the sense of opportunity uh, that that. I felt when I was in here. And I think that to have uh, the sense of opportunity, um, we need to be able to fix services, build housing, make life easier and 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 more affordable for, for people. And so uh, that's what I'm focused on. Um, and, and bringing that, that, that opportunity, that uh, life is really important. There is one thing we didn't talk about in here now that I'm, I'm, I was closing my my closing thoughts, and if you don't, if you guys don't mind, I just Go want ahead, to mention yeah. this: is is that uh, you know we have a lot of pressures, financial pressures in the city of Toronto to fix all these services, and um, you 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 probably heard me talk about the need to have the province uh, picking up the costs of um, keeping the gardener and the DVP. I think this is a fairness issue. Uh, and it's also uh, a much needed uh, new fiscal framework that we need for the city of Toronto in order to invest in these services. These highways are, you know, about half of the people using the highways are from outside the city. And then like any other highways around us, people don't even notice when they come out of the QEW and get into the Gardner. 
But we do because we're the only ones pay the only ones paying for the garden and the DVP. So we really, really need to make sure that this, this um, fair deal for Toronto and Torontonia, so that we can invest in our services, is part of this campaign because we have big pressures in the city. And I want to make sure that Mayor Bailao is going to go to the premier and is going to go to the to the the prime minister and say, "I was elected on making sure." that these highways were gonna be uploaded or get a fair deal. And it starts with making sure that that uh, uh, the provincial government pays for the maintenance and upkeep of these highways, like you do for all the highways around us. And so I just wanted to leave you with that uh, because I think it is crucial uh, that uh, that we talk about the finances of the city as well. Absolutely. And again, thank you so much for, for coming on and, uh, you know, letting us know what it would look like uh, under a mayor bylaw. You know, we're excited for the selection. We're excited for the future of the city of Toronto. And I thank you so much again for coming on. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And that was Anna Bailau. What'd you think, Phil? I think that, uh, I mean, she's, she's the presumptive. Well, she was the presumptive front runner until the news of today. Uh, so I'm very I'm very saddened by my my technical issues throughout this this episode entirely. Uh, there are only two things that I wanted to get across to Anna Bailau, and I was so excited to have her on, and I got to squeeze the one about the Ontario Science Center. I got to squeeze that in. I was very happy to, and I I almost felt a burning as in her closing remarks she brought up the gardener and the DVP which is only the other thing I wanted to talk about. Um, but I, I do have to give her credit where credit is due. Uh, despite the fact that I don't really, uh, I don't agree with the idea of moving the Science Center, but credit where credit is due, that's got to be the best case scenario of a, of a bad case scenario, making it a community center. I mean, I think that'd be nice regardless what happens. Absolutely. And uh, so before we listened to her interview, we covered one of your points. Now, you have another point you wanted to bring up. We'll talk about it briefly, and then I think we should call it a day and get the fuck out of here because, you know, it's getting we're getting long in the tooth here. Uh, well, for us, right. for our listeners, you'll understand next week we went ahead and did some extra recording so that's why we're tired even though this doesn't seem like a very long episode sorry i'm rambling phil go ahead so the other thing of course that uh we want to talk about that was toronto municipal politics related that was not related to this mayoral election very interestingly is uh the reveal of the of the sweetheart deal the so-called sweetheart deal with mlsc for the 2026 world cup in toronto so let me interrupt you. So when they made this deal, who do you think was at the table? Is this a provincial thing or was this a municipal thing and John Tory was at the table? My understanding is that this was entirely done uh, through Toronto and Toronto staff. So basically so this is provincial at all. I think this is municipal. So basically what you're telling me is that Rogers employee, John Tory, who happened to be the mayor at the time, just coincidentally. Just, just a coincidental. Um, put all the cost f- 
for holding this fucking FIFA, which is what I'm going to call it, on the city of Toronto, on the taxpayers, and all the profits go to his employer. Well, he's employee of the month there, Phil. (laughs) What the fuck? Yeah. What the fuck? Of course, of course, they're gonna host in the city when we've given them everything they could possibly ask for. This is what I'm talking about. When you have a, a, a cur- this is this is so fucked up. This is why Donald Trump had to sign over, and I'm gonna use him. I yeah, people hate him. Whatever. Uh, he had to <laughs> sign over all his shit when he became the president, much like every other president. Why is that not uh, uh, transferred to Canadian politics? Doug Ford has nothing to do w- with with his family business that we know of. Um, that we know of. Why does John Tory get to be get to sit on the Rogers board and be a Rogers employee for hundred grand a year and be the mayor? It's a big conflict of interest, and this is one of the reasons why. Fuck FIFA. And 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 fuck this deal because honestly, listen, I know soccer soccer's popular, but not as popular as hockey, not as popular as basketball, not as popular as baseball. Fuck soccer. The, how, how much was this deal for? Just so I I'm I don't want to misquote. Oh, that's a good question. I thought it was somewhere in the six hundred million dollar range, but. Let me quickly see if I can find it. Uh, the Toronto uh, Star doesn't want me finding this information. No, I'm not sure what the amount is, but well, let's go with six hundred million or whatever, whatever figure you want to go with. Because as far as I'm concerned, we are paying, as in I'm a taxpayer, you're a taxpayer. The city of Toronto is paying. For MLSC, we're we're giving them the money and saying, here, subsidize your BMO field and make it FIFA fucking friendly. All the while, we have, what, 10,000 homeless people? Fuck the homeless people. Let's retrofit BMO fucking field. Uh, I don't know. Your thoughts? All right, well... For starters, uh, before we continue, uh, so that number looks to be $300 million. Still too much. Which is absolutely, yeah, obviously it's too much money. It's uh, it's every time the city wants to do something good, we've been told for the past 12 years that there's no money for it. And then behind the scenes, they decide uh, that we can just give $300 million to an already very profitable company. And I feel like we've talked about tourism in the past, uh, you and I, uh, where this thought sort of comes from, don't people, don't these franchises, don't they want to come to Toronto anyways? How? Why is it that we have to subsidize them so much regardless? It's just, I don't know, it's a ripoff. MLSE is one of the biggest if not the biggest company or extension of companies in Canada. I don't understand why they need uh, 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 
to be subsidized by the city of Toronto. It doesn't make any sense to me. The only thing that makes sense is, well, they had their guy as the mayor. So why not cut the fucking deal and have a big fuck you on the way out uh, to end John Tory's mayoral reign? Fuck John Tory. I mean, that's just a classic refrain on the municipals. <laughs> um, but I mean, my my weird thought, though, is that it's like, I, I think I think I saw somewhere where they said the deal was done around July last year. And I just wonder why did John Tory and I, I mean we we can come back to this question over many times and every new scandal we can jump back to be like, why did John Tory even bother running for another term? Like what what did he think he was gonna gain out of it? He's already he's done everything he needs to do to the city. He's ransacked the city including with this deal. So why did he think to run for a third term? He really should have just left. Can you imagine the controversy if this came out while John Tory was still the mayor? Maybe that's another reason he hightailed it the fuck out of here. Um, Real quick before we leave, I just want to get your thoughts on two things that I just thought of. Uh, Anthony Fury made a statement about safe injection sites and Giorgio Mammoliti's first act if he wins the mayor's chair is to fire Aline Davila, whatever the fuck her name is, Eileen Davila. Uh, your thoughts quickly on either one of those. Pick pick which one you want to do first. Um, so as long as uh, Anthony Fury has been running, and including when we talked to him, He's sort of been railing against the the safe injection uh injection sites as like um, and I I feel like this is an ideological threshold that is uh that is you know it's not something you're gonna cross because it's not not that treatment is a bad thing but I I do feel like he does mischaracterize what the safe injection sites are more for. And it's it's sort of seen as sort of like this free reign to just do drugs as opposed to it being these are already people who are doing drugs and, you know, they could be in a bad situation. And this is sort of the safest, the safest avenue. And and safe injection sites also do provide the opportunity to go get treatment. You know, they have staff there that send people. It's. I understand the opposition to safe injection sites uh, because of the feeling that they are enabling. I understand that. I just, I, I don't know if mandated, uh, mandated treatment works. And what about uh, Giorgio Mammoliti's announcement? Uh, I, you know, I think it reminds me of back when we had our conversation for this time in history, where you'd asked me about public health. And the ultimate point that I had reached was, God, public health is hard. You know, so I I disagree with Mamalidi's attack on Eileen Davila. I believe she did the best that she did in the circumstances, in the extremely difficult circumstances of COVID. And um, I, I also do believe that she's been the target of a lot of rhetoric that's uh, not great. So I'm not I'm not crazy about Mamalidi's position here. I disagree with 
And to finish off tonight, just real quickly, I want to give you because people love hearing what you say. I mean, I curse a lot. That's crazy. And I'm very blunt. I don't know why. People love to hear what you have to say. So if you could speak right now to oh. all of the mayoral candidates, what would you say to them about it's it I guess what I'm trying to ask is the long list of goodies that they're promising should they become mayor any ad advice or, or guidance or we we always speak for the people so what would you say to them and then you know we'll end it after that but I, I I'd love to hear what you have to say I call it Phil w wisdom or I I am now that's what I'm gonna call it and uh Exactly, Fizdom. and I'm gonna let you spout off, and then uh, and then we'll uh, we'll call it a day. You know, I <laughs> that's actually very funny. I um I get concerned that this will all this will sound like I'm coming at it from a a fiscally conservative point of view, but the well, the truth can't is have that, that the, can't have that. Listen, you know I can't have that. You know me specifically. I cannot. I cannot have that. I don't, you know, care for that. That's just not my bag. But the city is in a bad place financially, and it's just something that we we can't ignore. And that that leads into every other problem we have. It leads into our our housing crisis. It leads into the violence that we're seeing on the streets, the violence on the TTC. It's if we can't pay for these support programs and, you know, to take care of people or look at the city appropriating housing to, you know, get people in homes, you know, we, what can we really solve if we don't make the money to be able to do those things? And all these candidates, they constantly promise, like, um, you know, they're just, they're promising the world while also saying, but we won't raise property taxes. But that was the last eight years of John Tory. And we know what the city looks like now, what the city looks like with John Tory's, we can have it all without taxation. The city looks like shit now uh, because we had to cut because we didn't have the revenue. So, you know, before before we try to ascribe, you know, the cause of the violence, because, you know, it seems like we're separated between what will resolve the violence on the TPC. Is it social supports or is it more cops? I mean, you and I were both on the same page. We and we both know the answer isn't more cops. But there are a lot of candidates right now who who are kind of going on this. Our police need to be stronger. And I think above everything else, uh, they need to figure out how to pay for it all. I love that. And I can't think of a better way to end tonight's episode. So join us next week where we're going to have brand new set of interviews and you're going to have to tune into or tune in. We're not a TV show, but you're going to have to look us up on Spotify and or Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Samsung Free, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, whatever the fuck. 
and find out who's going to be on. Uh, like Phil and I have said, we're going to do candidates only right up until the election, and then we'll, uh, we'll open the floodgates after that. But, you know, I think we did pretty good this week. So, you know, for Phil and for Anna and for everyone else, thank you guys, and we will see you next week. This is the municipal. Have you been paying attention to, like, city stuff? Don't vote, can't bitch. Sorry to, uh, to point that finger at you. My answer was that would be yes and no. My tummy hurts, and I'm mad at the government. You're saying council wouldn't approve it, and two, you're robbing them of their, their voice. It's, it's, he's already, he's already failed to uh, vote.